Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales letter looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. G'day and welcome back, Darren Mitchell here, and you're listening to another episode of the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast. So great to have you on board on this Friday, the 31st of March, 2023. Final day of the third month of the year, end of the first quarter. Here's a question. How are you traveling at the end of the first quarter? How is your sales team traveling at the end of the first quarter? And do you have some momentum that's been built up as you lead into quarter two? Unfortunately, so many sales teams out there, so many businesses have busted their proverbials to try and get everything done by the end of the calendar year, being December 31st, to the point where the first uh, first quarter of the calendar year, and for many, the first quarter of the financial year, is quite soft. So uh, now, if uh, if you've got through the first three months, and if you haven't got the results that you were hoping for, or at least your executives were hoping for, now's the time to uh, to build the momentum, because what we do today He's probably going to start to pay dividends at the back end of quarter two, early into quarter three. So this is certainly not a uh, an instant fix game, but it's something that we need to stay the course of and uh, we'll deliver results over a sustainable period of time, which is what I'm all about here at the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. So um, if this happens to be the very first episode of the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast you have listened to, welcome aboard. So great to have you. Hopefully there's something in here to want you to come back. And of course, if you are a solid listener, a regular listener, or an infrequent listener, but you've listened to a few, greatly appreciate you coming back. Uh, Really, really love the feedback. Love the opportunity to speak about topics. Love the opportunity of of speaking to great people, which are more interviews coming up. So stay tuned for that. And uh, you may have noticed also there's been a bit of a hiatus between episodes. I was actually looking today, and I think the last episode I did was back on the 20th of uh, March, which is literally nearly, well, nearly two weeks, two working weeks. So uh, I've been, I could say enjoying some free time, but that would be a lot. I've actually enjoyed working with a lot of different people in a lot of different organizations, both uh, in small groups, large groups, but also one-on-one over the last couple of weeks. So unfortunately, haven't had the, I guess, the bandwidth to be able to get uh, enough windows to record the podcast. So this is my first opportunity in 11 days. So very much looking forward to what I'm going to share with you today. And it's all about uh, behavioral flexibility and particularly leadership flexibility. Uh, It's funny, you know, there's a lot of themes that come out of conversations that I have with leaders, uh, whether it be individually or group group conversations. And quite often, uh, a theme that comes out of those conversations is one where a lot of leaders are quite one-dimensional in how they lead their team. They, irrespective of their personality type or their behavior style, they have a certain, I guess, methodology that they follow in relation to their leadership. And unfortunately, they start to lead every single person within their team through the same methodology. And they wonder why sometimes it resonates with some and why it doesn't resonate with others. And it all comes down to the ability to be flexible in terms of your leadership. And if there's one characteristic that I've just determined and observed over the years that separates exceptional leaders from their peers and from their competitors, it is this ability to be able to flex the leadership style depending on the current situation, the people in that situation, and specifically the development level of those people in that situation. Now, being able to adjust your communication style based on either a personal style or a behavior, or in some cases, a personality, 
is vital to build credibility and ultimately trust. And the vast majority of leaders can do this almost intuitively. So if you think about how you deal with your team, how you communicate with your team, uh, over time, you get to know them pretty well. They get to know you. So you almost get into this little rhythm of communication. And for the most part, you're pretty good at that. There might be a couple of hiccups along the way, but essentially you, you have a good communication as you build that relationship. And if it's built on trust, then sometimes you can get away with saying the wrong thing, or sometimes it might come across as being maybe perceived in a different way. And most people are pretty tolerant of that, and they let you get away with a few things because they know that overridingly the intention is you're there to help them. Um, but how often, though, do we stop to consider the number of times we have a conversation with a member of the team in terms of their their development, where they sit in terms of their development, but also where they sit in terms of their competency. And that's what I want to talk about today. How often, and I often ask this question of sales leaders in particular, how often do you sit there and find out what motivates your team, either collectively, but more specifically, individually? Now, you can ask that question directly of your team members in terms of why why are you coming to work? What, what are you doing? Why are you doing this for? What happens when you wake up in the morning? What's the first thing you think about? But even when I ask this question to leaders, and particularly sales leaders, why are you a sales leader? It's very often that people have no idea how to answer that or they'll give some level of surface surface level of response. So when it comes to this leadership flexibility, one of the key elements of that is to think about the motivation factors or the commitment of the individual. And as a leader, we have to also think about what our own level of commitment is, but also consider our competency. Now, in speaking with and working with sales leaders over many, many years, when asking that question of what motivates the team, it's actually rare that a leader will come back with a definitive answer because it's typically not something they they ask the question of. Most of the time, leaders come in and they've got a team that's already in place or they start to build a team and they're all focused on what is the outcome that the team needs to deliver. So the motivation factors is almost like the sales targets and the compensation from the sales targets or the sales program that we're going to deliver you know, a, um, a 100% club or a high achievers club or a number one club so that becomes almost the, the goal and therefore by default becomes the motivation factor. But many people do things for many different reasons and it's up to us to try and find that out. So the commitment part is really, really important. Knowing what motivates your team and knowing what motivates you can often provide a clue as to how best to lead your team. And I'll go one step further. Often I'll actually ask people, have you asked your team not just what motivates them, but have you asked your team how they like to be led or how they would prefer to be led. And that can give you some fantastic insights in terms of the thinking and the psychology of your sales team so that you can now adjust your style and almost consciously match that style with your leadership approach. And if you do that, chances are you'll increase the level of discretionary effort, you'll increase the conversion rates in a lot of cases and ultimately start to deliver those results in a sustainable way. Now, if we can demonstrate this leadership flexibility, we can further unlock the potential of the team based on two key elements, which are these. Motivation or uh, commitment and competency, or these are also known as will and skill. And so how you deal with your team, how you adjust your communication style and how you adjust your leadership style will largely depend on what is the level of competency that a person has and what is the level of commitment, motivation, or willingness to do the job? Where, where do they sit on that particular scale as well? Now, this is not a, a scale of 1 to 10. This is a high versus low. So just making that deduction, if you like, from what you've observed, uh, what feedback you've actually received, uh, feedback from others, feedback from the individual itself themselves, or even direct results can often give you a perspective on where these people sit 
and where your individual sit in relation to the willingness and the skill set. And so depending on where that person sits, you as a leader have to start to adjust the way you lead these particular people because they're going to need different things from you. And I often talk about this in the context of the skill wheel matrix. And you may have heard the term situational leadership, which comes from uh, Dan Hersey and Ken Blanchard, which they created that back in the 1970s. Essentially, we as leaders have to be open to changing and adjusting our leadership style based on the situation that we find ourselves in and that we find our teams in. But it is based on the level of commitment and consistency or will and skill. So just to go through this at a high level, so you get a sense of what are some of the things you might be thinking about in relation to where your team member is at and how you can therefore get the best possible output from them in a respectful way. If you have a team member, for example, that is low in skill and they are low in will, so their commitment level is not very high, they're not that motivated uh, and they have a low level of competency, it stands to reason that us as a leader, particularly as a sales leader, we're going to have to be very, very direct. We're going to have to do a lot of telling and there's probably not a lot of room for them to be creative and be empowered to be proactive because they probably at that stage of their development don't have the capability to do that. They're looking for people to give them direction. And so as a sales leader, we're going to have to be very direct with them and provide them with the steps, provide them with the blueprint, provide them with a framework, give them specific instructions on what you need them to do and don't give any opportunity for them to go outside, I guess, the nine dots. So you've got to be really, really specific and you'll probably have to spend a lot more time with them. So the investment of your time, we often talk about the Pareto principle where 80% of your results are probably coming from 20% of your people. Well, the person who is low in motivation and low in competency is probably sitting in the uh, in the majority, which is delivering as in 80% of your team, delivering only 20% of your results. Now, the double-edged sword here, of course, is we can get caught up in spending too much time with this particular individual to the point where we're not necessarily gonna get a huge return on our investment and be conscious in the process of spending less time with that 20% who are delivering 80%. Uh, but if our intention is to help this person develop a higher level of competency and hopefully through that process, a higher level of willingness to do the job and therefore a higher level of commitment, it will take a bit of an investment of time on our behalf to get them up to speed and get them moving to develop some momentum which means you're probably going to have to monitor them pretty closely and not so much look over their shoulder to the point where you're micromanaging, but be very, very precise and very, very specific in what you want them to do. So the way you deal with that person who is low in motivation and low in competency is be very, very direct and it's going to be more one way. You as the leader will be leading the way and you'll be very instructional and there's not a lot of room for them to, uh, to, to move. For the person who is also low in skill but is high in will, so they have a high high learning threshold, they want to learn, they've got a thirst for knowledge, they're really enthusiastic, so their motivation levels are high, you've got to become more of a guide. Now, it may well be that because they're low in competency, and it could well be a perfect example of this is somebody who is brand new to the organization, they may have had experience in the industry, but they don't necessarily have specific experience in your business, even though it might be in the same industry. And there's little nuances that every single company has. So a person coming in pretty much brand new into an organization, doesn't know what it is that they don't know. And so their competency is going to be pretty low. You might still have to provide them with some process, with some direction, and with some guidelines. Because they have this thirst for development, it will still require a blueprint. However, you're required to be less supervisory to them. They will learn and they will develop. They will have a, a desire to improve and improve quickly. So what you'll find with this person is you'll need to be less 
uh, less intense in terms of your, your time investment with these guys because their motivation will get them through. And through that commitment to learn, they'll actually start to increase almost exponentially their learning capability. So therefore, their competency will develop. Now, this is what this the next one's an interesting one because you might have some people in your team who are high in skill. So they've got high levels of competency, but for whatever reason, they have low levels of commitment, low levels of motivation, or the low willingness to get things done. And I often see these people need the checkup from the neck up because they know they're capable. We know they're capable, and for whatever reason, they're just dragging the chain. They don't want to be there. They're thinking this is just a drag. I don't want to go. To, I don't want to go to work. I don't want to do this. They're always looking for things to uh, use as an excuse not to do things. Always potentially uh, pointing the finger, saying things like, "Well, this is not my role. That's my, not my job." But the thing is, they've got this great level of competency. So if only we could get them to increase their level of commitment and motivation, they could really explode in terms of their potential. And so one of the challenges for us there as a leader is how do we look for opportunities where we can inspire them, where we can challenge them? Now, this is not necessarily saying let's reward them for their lack of commitment. That's not what we're saying at all. But look for opportunities where we can give them projects. And this is not special projects because often when you hear the word special projects, it might bring up all sorts of other connotations such as, ooh, that's one step outside the organization. You're on the exit in the exit lounge. It's not that at all. It's about challenging them to get better being able to effectively utilize their skill set and their competency. And through that process, hopefully, there'll be a level of confidence that's developed. And therefore, through that process, a level of commitment that is now starting to permeate in everything they do. One of the things that I often look at and help sales leaders do is if you've got somebody within your team who actually does have a high level of skill set and maybe a higher level of skill set than this particular individual, but also a higher level of commitment, perhaps look for the opportunity where that person can be a buddy of the person who you're trying to increase their commitment. So you're trying to inspire them. Now, the only caveat to this one is this is this is where you've got to look at your personality style. So if you've got somebody who is dragging the chain, who is not committed, who needs that checkup from the neck up, and they are very, very terse kind of uh, personality style, they're a driver type personality style, uh, they're quite assertive, quite aggressive, very task-focused. Do not give them somebody who is the opposite, who is motivated, because what's likely to happen is the more dominant personal style will take over, and you may actually end up with two people who now have low levels of commitment, and you've actually created a bit of a bit of an S-storm for yourself and a shite storm, if you know what I mean. So don't do that. Be very, very clear on who you're going to allocate, but look for ways you can inspire this person. Now, sometimes that won't work, and that's okay. Because sometimes that then leads to another conversation around performance to say, well, you're very, very competent, but quite frankly, you're actually dragging the entire team down. So we need to do a few things. And potentially one of those things is to look for another role for you. And I've seen it happen. I've actually done it myself. Uh, it's not a not an easy thing to do because sometimes people are looking at an individual where they're performing and hitting all the key metrics, but they're actually toxic for the culture. So I would much rather have somebody who is engaging, who I can work with, who can develop competency over time, than have somebody who is highly competent but is toxic because you just got to get rid of those people because otherwise it will be it'll go through the entire team like wildfire. And the last part is this is a this is utopia for a lot of leaders and from a leadership flexibility point of view, we'd all like to be in this position for where you've got a person who is both high in commitment and high in skill set. So you've got high willingness, high skill. We want to stretch them. We want to delegate to them because they're looking for, they're often known as a self-reliant achiever. 
They want more opportunity. They want more responsibility. So we ensure we give them as much as we possibly can, but also in the process, ensure that we are continuing to give them the gift of our attention because they may well be in the 20% of the people that are delivering. Well, not maybe. They will be in the 20% of the team that's delivering 80% of the results. And if we stop giving them attention, what will start to happen is they'll start to think, wow, my manager doesn't like me. My manager doesn't appreciate me. They don't appreciate what I'm doing. Therefore, they can often take the foot off the pedal. So make sure you're giving them the attention, but look for opportunities where you can delegate more and more and more because they're still looking for direction and inspiration. So as we wrap up this episode on the final day of March and therefore the final day of quarter one, uh, key message is this. That is, look at your team. Look at where they're at in terms of their willingness, their motivation, their commitment, but also look at where they sit in the competency zone as well. Are they highly competent? Are they mid-competent? Are they low-competent? And based on where you see them, and this is often going to come down to your own discretion based on feedback as well, of course, think about how you can best provide them with your leadership because if you're leading everybody in the same way, you're not going to have the fullest potential to extract the potential of your team because people will need you to be a different leader and slightly different based on different situations and certainly based on different development areas. So I trust that message helps and I trust that message hits you at the right time. As a key reminder, you know the drill if you've been listening for a while, let's have a conversation about potentially working together and helping you fully extract your leadership potential and turn you into an exceptional sales leader. And we can do that over the next three months. Love to have a conversation. Simply go to leadwithdarren.com, follow the instructions, and I look forward to having a conversation with you. So may you have a phenomenal weekend. Hopefully you're going to finish off the week very, very strongly. And as always, look forward to sharing with you on the very next episode of the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast. All the best. Thank you for listening to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. I trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it. But also, if I can help you, jump on my calendar, go to leadwithdarren.com and let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.